Hi, I'm Amanda Pashuko. This is She Love. Hello, it's Davida. I'm Gina Lovato. Hey, it's Anna Dunn. I'm Caitlin Bailey. This is Melissa Novak. It's Sean Jacobson. Hey, it's Bethany Nicole. And welcome to Sex Party. And welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. Welcome to Sex Party. <laughs> Sex Party with your host, Dustin Ripka. Welcome to Sex Party. I am your host, Dustin Ribka. This week, we've got another great episode. My guest, Bryn Daler, is a sex and relationships coach. Bryn is currently going through a breakup. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about all of the things she's doing to go through it, feel it, learn from it. But I think a lot of people who have gone through breakups or going through breakups are sort of stuck in a place where they can't stop thinking about breakups. Uh, this episode is going to be very, very valuable for all of you. Bryn is uh, a coach and she's just got that rebel energy that we love so much here on Sex Party. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Bryn Daler. This week's conversation. conversation. Bryn Daler, welcome to Sex Party. How are you doing? I am tender right now. This is okay. This is a new answer. I don't think we've gotten tender on the show. Can you explain mm-hmm. a little bit what that what that means? What what you're feeling? Sure, yeah. Well, we were joking, you know, right before we hit record that when you get asked how you're doing it's such a blanket response for most people to go good and then just move on about their day. Um, yeah. And I'm not great right now when it comes to like my emotions and my heart. I just went through a breakup last Thursday and it's cancer season. And so if you're an astrological being, you know that it's moody as shit right now (laughs) in the, uh, uh, the collective. And yeah, I've had quite a few days of like blasting music, crying my face off, and honestly eating a lot of chocolate and being really okay with that. But yeah, I feel tender, tender and exposed. Well, lots of things uh, in that explanation. And first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you're going through this uh, horrible thing, right? Um, it makes the show so much better though, because I feel <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people that are um, either feeling the way that you're feeling currently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're going through the same stuff or whatever, but everyone has been where you're at and can relate on yeah. some level. Mm-hmm. So um, I would love to dive into that stuff. Okay. So you, so, okay. What, okay. First of all, what are we blasting? What kind of music are we listening to? <laughs> What's well, the breakup did- music? I did the like worst thing possible, but I, I wanted to rip the bandaid. I went to a list of music that reminded me of him, mm. which was like a ton of, um, Odessa. We listened to a bunch of that together and I just like stuck the knife in and twisted it and listened to all of the songs that reminded me of him just to get that like really good, ugly cry where like you just can't stop snotting and your eyes swell. Yeah. I just went in for the kill. (laughs) Yeah. I, I went through a breakup, um, that was really, really bad. Right. And, and, uh, my go-to 
for that was um frank ocean channel orange oh my god yeah. right uh, yeah could, could be the greatest breakup album of all time but also mm. like r- right at that time drake had an album that came out so i was like driving around like oh my god like frank ocean drake like back non-stop um so yeah i mean and i totally get that like music that's why i asked that first because that's so important right what are your right? what are we yeah um yeah. Okay, so we're blasting music. We're eating chocolate. <laughs> um, are you sort of like in a leave me alone vegetative state, or are you like doing like the journaling and the working out? Or what? Where are we at? Yeah, because it's so, early days. Totally. I where I really land. I've sort of swung. I think this is a normal part of people's healing process is you swing from one end of the pendulum to the other. And when I first moved to Austin, Texas, that's where I live now, everything was conscious, conscious this, spiritual that, do it with intention, um, have the perfect morning routine, journal, breath work, yada, yada, yada. And don't get me wrong. I think those tools are incredible. And where I've landed currently feels like a really grounded and practical place, which is what do I fucking need in the moment? Rather than going into these rigid routines of like, okay, I know I'm supposed to write, like what were the lessons that I learned? And I'm supposed to like write him a, a letter and burn it. And I'm supposed to uh, make sure to schedule with my therapist. And and yes, some of those things will happen. And I just base out how I'm feeling. So some days I wake up and I want connection and I make sure to schedule that. And other days I'm like, I just want to be left alone and do nothing and be a a potato. And um, I'm really practicing allowing that to be my process and not having to worry about the right way to break up. Well, first of all, that's fucking ingenious because – and I think it's so – underrated i guess was the, the word i'm pulling on it's probably not the right word but i feel like i'm with you right like it's cool all of the self care self help stuff like i get it but sometimes you need the opposite of that sometimes like true self care right is like i'm going to fucking lay here and not shower and do all the <laughs> stuff that i'm not supposed to do for as yeah. long as it takes and i think as long as it takes part is where people get hung up because they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's been a week. It's been a month. It's been, it's like everyone has their own. Plus like who's the grandmaster that's keeping, you know, like when you realize, right? yeah. Um, so I think that that's really important um, that you are someone who is in this coaching, uh, you know, sex and relationships field and you have contemporaries and all of these other people around you that do things, whatever, but to say what you've said, like, I'm going through some shit. I really don't feel like dicking around with the crystals and journaling. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. And most of all, what I really want for every person is to trust themselves, to really know that they're capable of giving themselves what they need when they need it, and to have the autonomy and the sovereignty and the wherewithal to understand when you need a tool, use the tool, right? Mm-hmm. And when you need to throw everything to the wayside, throw everything to the wayside and trust yourself to know the difference. Yeah, that's fucking huge. Um, well, I, I want to get to the breakup even more so if you don't mind. We can just yeah. rip, rip at that wound of yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
hey, maybe it'll help. Um, if that's okay, then we can totally do that. But before we do that, for the people who don't know who you are, who are hearing your voice for the first time, they're in the audience, they're seeing your face for the first time, could you talk a little bit about who you are and what you do? And then we'll jump mm -hmm. back to the heartbreak. Another one of those really interesting questions outside of how are you? Who mm -hmm. are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the simplest answer is I'm a sex and embodiment coach. So I teach usually women. I've actually recently started working with men uh, how to really understand themselves from that core. Like who were you before the world and religion and your parents and society told you that sex was wrong and bad and that you should be desireless. And so we, we do a lot of discovery together and I help people find what turns them on in the bedroom and outside. Because to me, to be fully expressed means you are expressed in all parts of your life, not just sexually. And so I really shine with helping people remove all of the shit that is not them, whether that is limiting beliefs or like I said, religious programming, which shows up a ton in the sexual development space. Um, and we get clear on what lights you up and what turns you on. And that would be the the simplest answer. Yeah. And, and what, so what is for people who are curious, uh, including myself, what does your process look like? I mean, it's probably different for different people in different cases, but as a sex and embodiment coach, as someone who clearly gives a shit uh, on multiple levels, which we can, everyone can tell just in this first couple of minutes of the show that you aren't just like going through the motions. You're not someone who's just like, okay, I need you to do the breath work for 22 minutes. And then, you know, and that's cool. No one's, we're not saying we're not judging, right. but you're someone who's, if that's not working for you, you're clear, you're clearly going to point to something else. So for you, what does Bryn Daler's uh, process in general mm -hmm. look like if someone's coming to you for help? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've created a three-step approach for, and it's customizable because every human being that comes to me, doesn't matter what fucking process I have, whatever you're bringing to me, we're going to work with. So I always like to have that little asterisk. But my mm -hmm. general model is it's three part. The first part is we do deep emotional somatic work together. So what that looks like is I'm asking you questions about your childhood. I'm going deep into where did you learn about sex, love, and relationships? And what were the things that were imprinted upon you from ages zero to seven that create the patterns in which you were living out now in your sex life and in your relationships? And you probably don't think that, you know, what's happening to you as a three-year-old impacts you as an adult today, but it's wild what we uncover when we start poking around about why you are the way that you are. There's so much imprinting that happens in that time frame. You're essentially a little sponge and you're just really learning about the way to interact through the world through your mother and your father or the absence of, and you're learning through what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and what you're feeling in their presence. And so the first part of my process is, is we, we go into the deep emotional space of what you learned and we, we touch some of those deeply rooted wounds and, and triggers and things that are creating subconsciously your patterns for your relationships. Because a lot of my clients come to me and they, they know something's off. Sometimes they can say like, hey, listen, I don't know how to be vulnerable and it's killing me and I can't keep a healthy relationship because of it. And sometimes they come to me and they're like, I have no idea what's going wrong, but something isn't working. So that first 
several call processes is deep somatic work. And then the second leg of that is really about now that we've removed or touched some of those deeper, more intense places, we've created space to actually go into, well, what do you like? So if you're not someone now anymore who can't be vulnerable because we've actually figured out that you learned that from your father and that's not yours to hold anymore. So we're going to give that shit back Mm -hmm. and we're going to allow you to create something that you actually want. So what do you want? So we go into desire discovery and that's desire discovery from sexually in the bedroom. Like, what do you like? Are you kinky little fuck? And we can look at that. Are you really into Tantra and you want to go into deep eye gazing and breath and you're really more into energy work? Do you have no clue and you just want me to show you the whole menu? And then the last piece is where that word embodiment comes back in. And for depending on who I'm working with, that looks like how do you actually run different energies through your body, whether that's sexual energy, um, other kinds of emotions? Basically, how do you walk your talk? Because we've pulled stuff up. We've pulled out roots. We've replaced it. And now how do you go out into the world and actually be the person that you want to be when it comes to your sex and love life? Because it's not enough to just take these concepts in and to understand them intellectually. You need to understand what that feels like in your body to be a vulnerable woman, to be a vulnerable man, to be clear sexually and to be able to communicate that. You have to go out and take action. Yeah. Uh, Well, and I mean – uh, being vulnerable is so fucked. <laughs> it's just, I mean, just coming from me, I like that. It's just so fucked. It's such a tricky, it's such a tricky predicament, I think, because, um, first of all, if you know, depending on your definite, people have different definitions of vulnerable, right? And I feel like there's really no baseline. It's kind of like for vul- for one person, vulnerable be like, that's weak. You're being a coward or whatever. And then for other mm-hmm. people, it's like, no, 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 you're being open. So it's like, it's really tough. So like, I would imagine working with clients on being vulnerable sometimes that, you know, cause that's what you do. Not all the time, but sometimes I would imagine, um, that that's difficult. It totally depends. I would say most humans across the board struggle when it comes to being truly vulnerable. Mm. And what I mean by that is to me, vulnerability is showing your innermost stuff. Like if I were to take all of my deepest, darkest secrets, my wounds, my, my beauty, my gifts, my excellence and my shadows, my deepest insecurities, all of it. And I were to like pull it out of me and put it on a silver tray and with discernment, share that tray with the people that I love and want connection with. That to me is vulnerability. It's like putting yourself fully out there, knowing that person can go, no fucking thanks. That's not my flavor. And then having to be with the sting of rejection and knowing that the part of you that put yourself out there It's a part of you that knows there are people out there who do want that flavor that will be magnetized to you for that reason. And so it's just comes with the territory that vulnerability inherently is really risky because you're risking somebody going, no, thank you. But without that risk, you don't have the reward of some of the greatest love and connection you'll ever have. And to me, it's not even fucking worth it if you're not having that kind of connection because it doesn't feel authentic and real and like the kind of connection that I, I think most humans crave. 
Yeah, again, it's so fascinating to me because for me personally, it's like I could tell you some really deep, dark shit. No problem. I was abused as a kid. I um, had a wild 20s, 30s, you know, whatever. I've slept with this many, like all of the details, like deep, dark shit, I guess, right? Here it is. But if someone's like, so you like me, right? Like, how do you feel about me? I'd be like, ah, like just malfunction or say yeah. something incredibly stupid. So mm. it's like, it's very weird. It's if someone's like, well, let me in. I'm like, I am. I told you about, what do you want to know? Like, okay, here's my childhood. Here's, here's how I'm thinking right now. Here's whatever. They're like, but like, how do you feel about me? I'm like, Ugh. like just like a fucking idiot. And so that's why I think, personally vulnerability is so strange it's just so strange to me mm. but it's fascinating nonetheless so your it's work with that is pretty cool yeah um okay now that we've got you on record with what you do let's ju let's jump and who you are a little bit right sure. let's jump back if you if you're willing let's jump back to the breakup so so you got how long were you guys together for it was about two and a half months, so a relatively short relationship. Sure. I mean, but still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the grand scheme of life, like a blip on my timeline and the way that I love, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's two and a half months or two and a half years. I tend to jump in the deep end and let my heart open very quickly, and I'm learning. I really am. There's some things that I think clicked after this breakup where I went, huh, I get to do things differently going forward and I'm happy to share more about that. No, please do. I think, I think just, you know, going through a breakup and, and I've said this in, in a previous episode, but you know, breakups, whether you're blasting Frank Ocean or like you're, you're, um, you're coming to in strange places after like, you know, ripping shots or whatever with strange people, um, breakups feel like severe, at least for, a short time, severe mental illness. Like you just are mentally ill. You can't, you know that you're sick, but you can't do anything about it. You have to like, you're trying to abate this feeling. You're running from mm -hmm. this thing constantly mm -hmm. um, to the casino or the fucking, you know, tavern or wherever the fuck you're going. You're going somewhere or you're like under your bed, like sobbing or whatever. Um, so you're, you're running from this thing, this like mental illness monster. And I just think people really, again, they sort of don't appreciate that. Hmm. So I guess I do things a little differently. Sure. I don't, I don't run from it. I, I really touch it. I touch it fully and I let myself feel the fucking grief and the pain and the sadness because I know that if I suppress, which I used to do for the first God, 25 plus years of my life, that shit doesn't go anywhere. It just creates disease and dysfunction in your mm. body and it will come back and bite you one way or the other. Whether that's 10 years down the road when all of a sudden you have an autoimmune condition and you can't fucking figure out why your body keeps shutting down. It's like, oh, it's because I have years or decades of repressed trauma that I have not dealt with. So I've learned that much. I've learned, let's not run from this thing. Let's actually feel our feelings. And am I perfect? Fuck no. Are there days where I watch 10 hours of Netflix straight and avoid it? Absolutely. But most of the time, it's like my, I don't like the word higher self. I think that's 
bullshit because it creates this like person that you think is hovering above you that you must reach and get to. But I like to say my truest self, my truest self knows if I feel this now, it will be worth it. I will move through this quicker. I will be able to get to the other side of this pain faster than if I pretend like it's not happening. So I feel it. I feel it very deeply. Um, I wrote a poem about it the other day where I was saying like, essentially my neighbors probably used to hear me fucking and now all they hear are me crying. (laughs) Right. It's like, they're probably like, what in the world happens in this woman's apartment? (laughs) Um, but I'm just keeping it real with people and that's what I do. And I would say for a long time, and this is maybe a more immature version of myself where I was learning how to love. So a little backstory is I met my previous husband at 20. So I was with one person from 20 to 30. We were together for a decade. So I really missed online dating, dating in general. Like I don't really feel like dating in college is all of that uh, is really like you knowing yourself and knowing how to date. Yeah, no. So yeah, exactly. Like we're just <laughs> all kind of dicking around alcoholics, like not really sure which way is up. And so I didn't date. And then at 30 years old, had to go, who am I and who am I in relation to other and how the fuck do I navigate this space? And so I I missed a lot of that like early formative understanding of dating and how to love and like what that looks like. Because the first person I majorly fell in love with, I happened to marry and I was with for a long time. So now the more aware, conscious and uh, mature person is in the world dating and like trying different men on. And for a while, the way that I was doing that was I'd find a person, there'd be a mutual attraction and connection. And I would just dive in like head first into the deep end of the pool, give all of myself to them. And I was mistaking that for being open-hearted. Don't get me wrong. I was being open-hearted, but I was doing it too quickly before I really fucking knew what my worth was and to have people earn my trust over time and to see what I'm working with before I say, okay, I choose you. Let's do this dance together and let's both jump in. And so that had kind of been my pattern is like rip the bandaid and find this person to commit to. And then like months down the road, be like, wait, I don't even know what I just fucking signed up for. (laughs) Once once the honeymoon wears off and like those hormones start to settle and you're not trying to like jump each other's bones every 30 seconds and you're like, wait, this feels different. That's because chemically it is like those things start to shift. And so over time I started to go, huh? Like you can only beat yourself against the wall so many times before you're like, okay, I'm ready to learn this lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to learn the lesson. Like I really get to love differently moving forward. And for me, that means slow. Like I need to literally get a forehead tattoo or like a tramp stamp that says like move (laughs) slow so that I can remember how deeply my body and my heart get to understand that version of love next. So I would say my biggest lesson from this past breakup was like, yes, there was an attraction. Yes. We really loved each other. Yes. There, we were brought together for a reason and I should have moved slower. I can say that with like my whole heart currently. Well, again, tons of, um, amazing stuff there. One, um, you know, hearing you, you talk right about going through a breakup, uh, and 
just the audience, um, I think can hopefully recognize that's everything you're saying is quite healthy and makes sense and is logical and whatever. And everything I'm saying about how I deal with relationships and breakups is sounds very toxic and chaotic or whatever. So that's par for the course for this show, I would say that's number one. But I think the larger point is, you know, you said it like it, it's going to hurt regardless. I'm just going to blast our, our fucking music that we love like right away, because I think the bigger lesson and uh, what you're communicating is one of my favorites. And that's the only way out is through, right? Like 100%. bring the fucking pain, right? Like yep. right, right away. And so I think you're yep. really, really um, not only like intelligent, but like, almost like talented in doing that right away. Cause most people are like me. They're like, stop, wait, does this pain feel good? I don't know. Let's rip shot. Like I'm just all over the place when I go through breakups mm. and whatever. Mm. And you're like, fuck it. Let's be, bring the pain. And then masochist. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but you have to, you know, that that pain is coming for you at some point, like you said, 10 yeah. years, 10 days, whatever. So you're like, let's, Let's go through it now. Let's start the process now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a productive pain. It's like I know this pain gets me somewhere versus just pain for the sake of pain, which is like a whole other thing <laughs> for those kinky <sighs> little beings out there. Yeah. Um, but even that pain I think is is productive in some senses, right? Like people are doing it for turn-on. So um, – and I, I will say I was actually – sharing this with a client earlier because she was going through something. And I think one of the brilliant parts of getting to be a coach is sharing our human experience with our clients for them to understand and relate to. And so she was going through something hard in a relationship and she was uh, ideating and like dreaming of or idolizing this concept of being single again, like dreaming of like, oh, it's just so much easier when you're single. And I just painted the picture and I'm like, listen, it's all fucking hard. The grass is always greener. Breakups are hard. Being in a relationship is hard. Moving through conflict is hard. Loving somebody so vulnerably is hard. It's all fucking hard. So you just get to choose which flavor of hard you want to move through based off of what you desire. So it all comes back to what do you want? I want big love, which means I take big risks. And that means I also hurt really badly on the other side. But that is my desire is like, I want a relationship where I get to show all parts of me. And that's not fucking possible if I'm playing small and I'm withholding. And so I didn't withhold in this relationship. I really showed up, but that meant the drop on the other side really sucked. And I learned something and I wouldn't take it back in a heartbeat. He was an amazing man. And we learned so much in that two and a half months together. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's just full of, I mean, it makes sense. There's logic in there. There's intelligence in there, but also like you're, you're talking about your emotions and how you feel, but it's sort of combined with like a really logical, this is what I want. This is how I get there. So yeah. I can see why, why um, you do what you do. How, how much of how much of your coaching is getting you through your own breakup process, or is it totally two separate things? Um, when you say getting you through, you mean my clients? Well, like I just like the the thought processes, like um, the different ways of thinking and doing things. Like, are you finding yourself coaching yourself, or are you finding <laughs> yourself just being like, you know, constantly? Okay. Here's the thing. 
Coaching is energetics. It's Mm -hmm. energy. So I'm attracting whatever I'm putting out into the world. And that's just across the board. That's like in dating. So, so many times I hear people like, oh, I'm so fucking sick of these schmucks that I'm, you know, attracting. It's like, well, what are you putting out consciously or not that's bringing these people into your life? Whether that's a worthiness thing, uh, like there's a part of you that doesn't think that you deserve something better or you're putting out some sort of like heavy energy. We don't know, right? Like, but it's the same with coaching. I remember at one point, there was a time where I'm like, I just so want to be in relationship and I want I want a man to ha- like go through these lessons with and have these sacred mirrors to teach me things. I was like, I don't fucking need that. I've got my clients and my friends that can both reflect these things to me if I choose to see that version of myself. And so I have a friend who's a really talented coach and she said to me after every call, she asks herself, what in this call is available for me to And I am constantly being reflected back with my clients, the things and the lessons that I am maybe just a couple steps ahead of. But what it does is I think good coaches do is in order to be in integrity, like I can't, we sort of started their conversation with this. I can't tell you that the key to your breakup is to do three rounds of breakfast work in the morning. If I'm not doing that myself, you're going to feel that I am out of integrity. You're going to be like, I don't know about that. It may not even be something I say. It's just an like you feel like that doesn't really land for me. So the best thing I can do for myself and my clients is to walk my talk and to be in integrity and to do the things that I actually believe are helpful. And so when I see a client that has a deep rooted fear, for example, of um, like staying in relationships, like this client, she, when love starts to feel comfortable and safe, she wants to hit the eject button because that's what she learned growing up, right? Like that's unfamiliar. What's familiar for her is chaos and trauma. And so I'm like, huh, okay, that was me 10 years ago, right? So it's no, at least for me, no um, coincidence that these are the women that I tend to attract. Yeah, it's so interesting um, because, well, number one is something I want to jump back to. When you – are starting out with a client or, and, and you come to that place where you're like, Hey, uh, what do you, what is it that you're, you're putting out or you're putting out this energy? We kind of probably don't want to do that. Do they, people get pissed off? They're like, what do you mean? I don't, you know, whatever. Oh, that when I <laughs> call, call them out, is that what you're yeah, saying? Do they fight back? Do they push back on you? If I'm out of integrity, they do. Mm. If they know and they feel that I'm in my truth and that I have actually walked my talk and that I know what I'm saying, they don't fight back. And that's usually a really good place for me to check in and go, is this true? The thing that I am saying, am I actually doing this? Do I actually believe this? Because if not, then why am I saying it? So most of the time I don't have pushback because I don't share things from a place of should. There's shame attached to that. Like you should be doing it this way. It's like, huh, what if, what if we approach this with curiosity? Like what a what part of you still wants to show up this way? Or why do you think you are staying in this relationship that doesn't feel good for you? And so I, I really usually just invite them to be curious and that creates less resistance too than me telling them what to do. Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine that everyone swallows that pill very easily. I just feel like some people, and maybe they're not 
people that are that are attracted to you as a as a client coach relationship maybe those people mm-hmm. don't even they're like i ah, she's going to really tell me what i don't want to hear cuz some people are just looking for coaches to make them feel better about who they are i think and other people are looking like i'm kind of damaged uh and i'm trying to fix it so there's i think there's two different yeah and i don't operate from the place that anyone's broken like i don't i don't i don't believe that i do think though that uh as a coach you get to put your fucking ego aside and realize this isn't about you and Maybe they aren't ready for the lesson and that has nothing to do with me. And I get to take my pride aside that whatever they're supposed to be here for, they're going to receive in the timeline in which they're ready to receive it. And there's nothing I can do or say outside of just showing up as my best self, my most integrous self and trust that by me doing that, they're going to get what they need. And maybe it's on a timeline that I'm really excited about. Maybe it's not, but that's not for me to decide. Yeah, and I should say they're not damaged, but they are like carrying damage around from their child. Maybe that's right. a better, better way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. Again, I'm like thinking of myself again. It's like this self. I'm like tossing things out about myself. Um, I think uh, subconsciously, but I just think that everybody. There's always two types of people that way. There's people who are self-aware that are like, ah, it's not normal or healthy, and maybe I need to talk to somebody. And then there's other people like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't do that. That's not me, you know. And I think you'll find that in every walk of life, right? And totally. so. when it comes, when it gets personal and emotions get involved with relationships or whatever, I just think that split is really, really sharp. People who, Mm -hmm. when, when you do tell someone who doesn't want to hear it, like, Hey, you're kind of smothering people or whatever that, that, you know, you, um, you cook for them too fast and what's with all the onions or whatever their fucking weirdo thing is. Right. They don't want to hear it. They'll like explode. Like they'll get really defensive. Well, the other thing too is uh, they're not paying me to sugarcoat things. They're mm. not. I'm not doing anyone good by pretending that yeah. their pattern that hasn't fucking served them well for decades is the pattern that I want them to keep. Like that's not helping them. So yeah, sometimes coaching is tough love and that's my job yeah, to share yeah. the thing that they maybe aren't willing to see to show them their blind spots. Okay, so in this situation, you're going through a breakup. What are the things that you're realizing about yourself that are tough to swallow, right? Like, let's do some of those. Yeah, it's my favorite. And I say that with some sarcasm, uh, the, (laughs) (laughs) the personal responsibility. But in the end, that's really all we can do is we can own our part. So I named one earlier, which was that I was way too quick to give myself away. Like to be like, I'm yours, take me, let's be exclusive, I love you. And I don't regret that. And that's my shit. That there's a worthiness piece that I get to sit with of what part of me still wants to be rescued, right? Like this deep narrative that we are sold as little girls that one day somebody's gonna come sweep you off your feet, make everything better, they're gonna right off into the sunset with you and life will be great. And that narrative is being hammered into us still at all times, like everywhere you turn to find like the perfect American dream is to like find the partner, have the kid, have the family, the white picket fence. And here's the fucked up part. I had that. Like I had a husband, a home, we shared businesses. I had what everyone 
not everyone, but a lot of people are told is like the thing to work for. And I wasn't happy. So I consciously know better. And yet there's still a part of me that is working through that story of like, I just so deeply want partnership. And so where I get to also look back and and check in with myself is there's a part of me that wants a certain level of partnership. Like I want a partner that's going to come in and has a certain level of financial success, is really purpose-driven, really clear with their uh, communication, and like has a great community of friends. And so basically I've had to go through that list and go, well, fuck, where did I where did I settle? Because I'm doing that in my life, right? So if I wasn't happy with the certain level of success that my ex had, well, let me turn that finger on and go like, okay, where are you not managing your money well, right? Like after we broke up, I hired a financial coach because I'm like, I'm ready to break these financial patterns for myself once and for all so that I don't have to wait for that partner to come in and rescue me. I make good money. Don't get me wrong. I just haven't been a good steward of it. And so that was another one of those things that pills I had to swallow of like, okay, cool. You want this in a partner. You want someone who's going to lead you. Where are you not leading yourself? And one of those ways was financially. Yeah, that's fucking fascinating. <clears throat> the idea that you would see, you know, identify the things that you're looking for in a partner after a relationship is sort of done and then be like, wait a minute, how can I subtract that from a partner and take ownership so I don't have to rely on, I love that. That's incredible. Only a coach would, would, um, (laughs) but I mean, that's incredibly effective. And I hope when people, uh, listen to this or watch this, like, fuck, that's giant. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I think my immediate question is how do you know what things you're able to take from that and what things should be kept over on that side of the relationship? Like, for instance, um, let's say, you know, the financial piece sounds like you subtracted that, you learned that, and maybe that's not a thing anymore. Maybe you're, you know, you want someone to be stable, whatever, but you're not looking to them for, they don't have to have this certain level, right? But then where are the boundaries? Where is it like, no, that's something I still need in a partner? It's hmm. a really good question. So basically what I heard was essentially you want to know like where do I draw the line between what's mine and what's my ex's in terms of like what I take going forward? Yeah, what you're taking responsibility for. Because if you're subtracting needs and giving them to yourself essentially, which is really fucking smart and really innovative really, but I I would imagine because there is a need for another in a relationship that those things, um, some of those can't be ripped away, can't be subtracted. They're just mm. things that you need, you know? Yeah. You know, I think mm, the simplest answer, it's not my full answer, but the simplest answer is like, I'm only at least for now going to focus on my part because focusing on his part isn't going to serve me at least yet, right? Like the only way that I can do and move forward right now is to really go, what if this was mine? And then I think like ultimately what I'll end up doing is revisiting the list that I originally created. 
so if I rewind the tape a little bit, right mm-hmm. before I met this person, I wrote a really detailed letter to my future partner. And I said, like, this is one of the more conscious woo-woo things that I was like, fine, I'll do it. Um, And I really embodied and felt this person as if they were here. And then I wrote a letter to them as if they already existed. Because even the language, like having to find a partner makes you feel that you have to go out and do and search and like excavate versus, okay, I'm just going to live my life, be the best person I can be. And then eventually that person is going to appear. And that's what happened, right? Like, yes, it wasn't my end result, right? Like we're not skipping off into the sunset together, but it was a pretty damn close job. He was amazing. And so what I imagine I will do next to really figure out like what can be tweaked is I'm going to go back and revisit that letter and go, okay, let's fine tune. Cause like that was a really good first draft, but like, how can I tweak this just a little bit more? It's almost like, okay, I wrote this letter to God. I was like, okay, I left out just a couple of things. So let me now just build and add to that list because I did a pretty good job the first time. And now I'll just make a couple revisions, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredibly interesting because I think, and maybe depending on which set of eyes you're looking at it, through right like yours your coaching um sensibility or like your core emotional stuff i wonder how much of that letter was actually written to yourself Hmm. oh that's a really beautiful way to look at it uh yeah i imagine a lot yeah because to feel what you're feeling and to and to be in a moment where you can sort of like conduct enough uh, belief and emotion to write that stuff. There has to be mm-hmm. some of it that's like you're totally like without even knowing you're writing it to yourself. Uh-huh. I just I just wonder how much of it you know. Yeah. So maybe when you go back, take a look and see what you can pull out of it. That whatever I would. That's amazing. That's so, so amazing. Um, that's a great perspective. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> so okay, if we can. Let's jump back to the uh, the scene of the crime for 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 a moment. Um, so, what was the fine? And again, if I'm asking two personal questions, you can be like, "Dustin, fuck off! What? Stop or whatever." But what what was the? Were there problems? How long were those problems around? What was the final straw? Did you guys have a blowout fight? Tell me all the stuff if you want. Yeah, for sure. No, I trust that I can. Uh, discern what I want to share, um, but I appreciate you naming it. So sure. I, um, there wasn't a straw that broke the camel's back. Like I, something I am taking more ownership of in relationships is my past self used to withhold, suppress, and then explode. And the explosion was, I'm done. There is no conversation. I'm leaving. And my my first relation, well, my marriage ended that way. So like I pretty much just like one day was like, I'm done. He's like, what? Mm. So that I like, that sucked. I can't imagine like what that must have felt like for him where I just one day you wake up and yeah, there were signs and yes, he was able to take ownership of his part later, but like that sucks. And so fast forward a couple months after that, I fell in love really quick after my marriage ended, did the same sort of thing where like, yeah, there, again, there were warning signs. There were things that I tried to communicate, didn't do a great job of, but then did the same thing. So fast forward to this relationship and I really said to myself, okay, 
I'm going to share. I'm going to share as things come up, even though it's really hard and really scary because especially, especially in the beginning where there's not that safety and security of like, this is my partner. You're still figuring each other out and trying each other on. It feels extra fucking vulnerable to share those things because you're like, this could be the thing that pushes him away. And when those cocktail of hormones are kicking in, like you do not want that person to leave. It feels like a death when they do. So I did not want to share, but I did. And that felt really good to be like, okay, this time when I ended things, it wasn't a out of blue. It was a, oh, we've had a couple conversations around why this doesn't work for me. And here's the thing. It wasn't anything he did. It was more so we weren't in alignment when we looked at the level of partnership that we both wanted in our lives. Like There was just a certain type of relationship I wanted that I started to feel like if I kept asking him for things that I wanted, I was trying to change him because who he was was not naturally those things. And yeah, sure. Could he have worked on it? Yes. And I think if we were in like a committed, monogamous, long-term relationship, I probably would have tried a little bit longer. But being that it was only two and a half months in and we were already having a lot of conflict and a lot of that like roller coaster energy, I just said to myself, you know what? It doesn't matter whose relationship looks like this that is now healthy because I tried to do a little bit of that mental gymnastics of like, well, some people have rocky starts to relationships and some people that are really in love, like have high highs and low lows. But what it ultimately came down to is alignment. What do I want? And what I wanted was not that. And so if I chose to stay, I was opting in for that for the rest of my life. And I just, and when it comes to what I wanted and how he was, those two things didn't match up. And so it was a really soft ending like he was so, I could cry just thinking about it. He was so kind and receptive and loving as I ended things. And that is not always the case, right? Mm. Like we've all had, well, I'll speak for myself. I've had breakups that did not fucking end that way. Um, and it makes it a lot harder. It, well, actually, it's interesting that I say that. It almost made it harder that he was so nice because <sighs> – <laughs> then I was like, fuck, you're such a good soul. Like it's really hard to walk away from somebody who's great that you love. Like there's no doubt that I love this person and there's no doubt that he's a really good person and a really good human. And ultimately what it came down to was I'm not looking for a relationship that's 85% there. Like I want the 100%. I just do, or the 99% because you're never going to have pure perfection. I don't believe in that. But it was really close, but I knew in my heart if I stayed, I was settling for really close and not the thing that I actually wanted. And that's a really fucking hard thing to walk away from. Mm, yeah, no, that's that's t- when it's really close and they're really nice. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucked up. I mean, again, like as we're talking, I- I'm like, I feel for you, you know, mm. and like, I don't want this to feel like uh, a goddamn firing squad or something like I'm <laughs> making you go through all of the horrible shit. But I do think, I mean, uh, the twists and turns thus far, there are just nuggets of like platinum, not even gold, right? Um, mm. That I think people who are listening to this that have have gone through it, are going through it, are about to go through it, are going to yeah. like really be able to take and feast on and find, you know, maybe mm. a little a little 
a little solid ground, which is that's what we're here for, people. Um, you yeah. know, so yeah. so there's that. So that. so two and a half months <clears throat> were the okay. How long was the red light flashing? Like, was it a week? Was it a month? Or is like, uh, okay, this is probably not going to work. I should prepare it. Let's ignore it. Like all of that. How long was that going on? Because, and I'll tell you why really quick, because I feel like at least where I'm from, what I'm used to seeing, you know, I've done this before. You, you just like choose to ignore the fucking emergency light for a long time. And then the check engine, you know, and it just explodes one day. Totally. I'm so glad you asked that question because I think it's a really important one. For me, it was maybe two weeks total. But like in the span of a two and a half month relationship, that's a significant chunk of time. And there were little like flags that had come up from the beginning, but you don't know their flags until you're looking back, right? You just, it's impossible. Like a little part of you goes, huh, is that going to be a big thing or is that a little thing? Like, let's see. And so only time will tell in some of those scenarios. And then they did end up being things that I just ultimately wasn't okay with. And so yeah, I would say the grand scheme, maybe two weeks, but here's where I've really settled is there's a fine balance between like you get your knowing, like you, you're pretty sure you're like, okay, I'm like 99.9% there. And what I've seen though is especially in like what I call the spiritual or conscious community where there's this like long, prolonged breakup where there's a lot of processing. And I did this with my ex-husband. We like had way too many conversations in my opinion about the relationship ending where in hindsight, I personally believe the most effective way to break up is rip the band-aid. Rip it. The part of you that wants to hold on and still process and have conversations and like you come to my house and then we'll talk about this and I'll write you. It's like, no, no, no. You need space from this person to heal. Now, it's not to say like I don't think that the first time you have the thought, you just rip the band-aid and go because to me that's an immature kind of love where like you don't give that person the opportunity to rise and meet you. Like speak your truth, tell them, don't say, I want to break up with you. Say, Hey, there's some things that are not working and then let them fucking rise and like prove that they want to do something about that. Right. Um, so, but if you're saying things and nothing is changing and that feeling doesn't go away, then I say you rip the bandaid, rip the bandaid so that you're not in a relationship two, three, five, God, how many long years, when you knew, like that's a really hard place to be is to go like, I knew this for years and I chose not to do anything. Yeah. And, and is that, do you think, um, just in your, you know, your logical, uh, coach brain, do you think that that's like, because again, people are putting off the pain they're running from it. So they stay in a shitty marriage or a bad relationship or whatever. Or do you think there's something else that's happening? Like, Oh, it'll be so hard. Or they talk like, is it the fact that they just don't want to deal with it? Or is there something else at play? Oh, it's so nuanced. It could be so many reasons. Um, I mean, one factor for, uh, for example, could be your childhood. Did you, for example, watch, your mother treat your dad like shit and he stayed no matter what. 
because he thought family was the number one most important thing. And above all, you must preserve family. That could be embedded in you, right? Like above all, we stay, right? Versus somebody else who um, learned that like conflict is really bad. Like that was something that I learned is like, people who are angry are volatile and anger is not safe. And therefore to express something you're angry about, you should run from. And so they suppress their feelings of anger and they don't want to have a conf- uh, conflict with their partner. So they avoid conflict. So breakup is inherently a conflict, right? Like I don't want to be with you anymore. So I'm just going to avoid that. There's so many reasons why people avoid. Um, the fear of the unknown is a really big one too. Like that yeah. soupy in between space of, I don't know if I'm ever going to find someone again. Like technically I know that's not true, (laughs) but it could be, I could spend the rest of my life alone. And that is a fear that I get to be with, right? The same thing of, it's like the same feeling of scarcity, right? Like I'll never find another love like that again. Mm. And sometimes for some people, they'll live out that narrative because they believe it so deeply. So then they'll sabotage and do things so that they can't actually find a healthier love. So that's why working on these patterns is so important because if not, you're just going to keep repeating that scenario over and over and over again. Yeah. In all of this, there seems to be like a a huge self-fulfilling prophecy thing going on. Um, I'm guilty of that. I mean, and I'm just discovering it now. Like, wait a minute, is my life in this way in these aspects because that's what I believe or idolize or whatever, or is it just this or is the combination? And I'm like, I don't want to think about any of this. Let's just get a drink or whatever. So right, right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that that's happening to a lot of people, myself included is, is you, you do think a certain way, so you act a certain way. You don't realize you're doing it. Sure. You might you might get little hints, right? Um, if you're intuitive, um, but most of the time you you ignore them anyway, and you create these larger sort of I wouldn't say problems, but I don't know issues. I don't know. One great place to start is asking yourself that question that I posed earlier, which is like, what can I? take responsibility for. Because the second you start taking responsibility, it's uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong, but your life will shift if you start doing that without a doubt. If you start taking responsibility for your part. And here's the thing, like no one's out there. There's no, well, there's nobody, I was going to say, there's no sky daddy telling you what to do, but some people may (laughs) feel that that's true. Uh, But no one's at the end of the day, no one's telling you what to do and how to live your life. And if you're happy and comfortable, keep going. Like no one's here pointing, like shining a light on you going, you have to change. You have to up-level. You have to grow. That's the shit you should run from. If any coach or person tells you like, you must up-level, no thank you. Like certain people, great. Let them live their fucking lives. And the people that want to change and they want to up-level, it's going to happen because they feel that call towards something more. And those are the people that I want to work with, right? Are the people that are like, you know what? The I can see there's a pattern. That's another really great place to look is have the past several people you've dated felt the same. Maybe they look different. Maybe they were slightly different here and there, but like there's a common thread. There's something in that for you to own. There's something in that for you to realize that you contributed to, and that's really taking personal responsibility. Yeah. 
And also, too, like there is no Sky Daddy. So, (laughs) (laughs) great uh, gentle ending to the podcast. (laughs) So, okay, so is (laughs) so is there? uh, There's no way there's a Sky Daddy, and all of this fucking horrific shit is happening to women everywhere. Fuck that. Um, Yeah, right. I can't even. I can't even fucking imagine. Um, Real quick, um, do you so? To sort of cap off um, your situation, is there a no contact rule for you? Are you guys gonna text? Are you gonna have a drunken hookup? Like, what what what's the rule for you moving forward with this situation? I've considered all of it. Uh, there was definitely like I would say post. It was like forty eight hours after the breakup. I went mm-hmm. to a concert, had some beverages, and really considered the drunk fuck. Um, didn't. I, I don't know anyone who hasn't considered those things, yeah. right? Like we're, we're full of it if we think that we haven't. Um, so the rule I'll say is I don't have any rules. I know my in my heart that if I were to keep contacting him, it would make it harder. I think every time you contact an ex, it's just – opening, ripping that bandaid open again and like letting the wound fester. And it just almost starts that healing process all over again. Have we messaged here and there very lightly in a way that still feels respectable to both of us? Yes. And we're having coffee next week. Um, and will that be a good idea? I won't know until I'm on the other side of it, but I will say that and I believe this to be true. I do think there is an important period of no contact that is important. Um, because your past self is going to want to pull you back into what is comfortable and easy. And so almost to just like protect yourself, you kind of have to put these systems in place to go like, okay, whether it's a week, two weeks, 30 days, what do I actually need? I think of it like training wheels, like you're still wobbly as fuck. So keep the training wheels on for a little bit until you feel stronger and you can pop them off and then you can see each other. I imagine by next week, I'll be a lot more comfortable and we can have that coffee. And again, we'll see. But I know that um, what I do believe is that when you love someone, you don't just stop loving them because the relationship ends. Like, I love this man. I want such good things for him. And he played a very significant role in my, my life. And I think that to just like turn him off and pretend that he no longer exists, like is not how I want to operate. Have there been exes though that I've had to do that with? Absolutely. Again, it all comes back to, it feels like a full circle moment. I trust that I know what is best. So for me, this is a person I really want to keep in my life. And I know that I can do that in a way that feels good. There was an ex several years ago that when we ended, no contact, you don't exist to me, block, delete, Maybe one day we'll run into each other on the street and we can, you know, say hi. But I was not about keeping that person in my life. Still have love for them, but loving from afar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're human, which is why I asked that all of these questions of you because right. you were um, open about your situation and 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 like immensely not only truthful but like gracious with what you're going through or whatever and and i want to tell you thank you for like still doing this podcast like Mm -hmm. going through all of this fucking shit and thank you for like you know being 
being yourself and being honest. And I think, I think your style is really fucking cool. I think you have this sort of like rebellious, like fun. <laughs> we're not going to do that just because everyone else is doing it. I fucking, and that's like sort of my style too. So I fucking love that rock star shit. Hmm. Um, can you give maybe someone who's going through it, about to go through it, um, has gone through it. If you want to give a little advice, if you want to just say you're not alone, like the, the mic is, is yours. Mm. So I'll give my favorite piece of advice that my mentor gave to me. Uh, her name is Anat Perry. She's incredible. She taught me so much about healing and my body and emotions. And she said to me, don't get sad about the 70%, get excited for the 100 and she didn't mean that in a place of like bypass your feelings. Don't actually feel sad. Of course, I'm going to feel sad. But essentially, like when you're feeling really low and the pain is really bad and it fucking sucks, know that you said no to something that was less than so you can make space for the full fuck yes. And that's ultimately what we all want is we want that full fuck yes that when you have it, you'll know that all of the people that came before that were sent to you to prepare you for that moment where everything does actually come together and it was the full yes. And your bravery and courage to go through hard things is what allowed for you to have that. Dude, you are fucking amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so incredible for everybody in the audience. And that's that's awesome. Bryn Daler, where can people find you? Where can people send you ice cream and like play <laughs> playlist recommendations? <laughs> I love that. Please do send me ice cream. <laughs> um, so I'm at Bryn Daler on Instagram. That's usually the place most people find me. And I work for an amazing company called Sex and Love Co. So I'm a part of a collective of sex and love coaches who are doing really cool shit in this world too. And so sexandlove.co is our site and we're doing cool shit all the time. So come find me there and I'll be sure to say hi and we'll gratefully receive your ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, I would love to have you back on the show um, just to check in and, and fucking you know, see what's up or whatever. I think again, thank you so much. I think you're, just your your energy and and just the way you go about things is just fun and cool and different and rebellious a little and I love it. So thank you so much for being here. We will talk super, super soon. Thanks, Dustin. Huge thank you and well wishes to my guest, Bryn Daler. Go show her some love. Spam all of her pictures with likes on Instagram. Um, leave thoughtful comments. Send her ice cream. What's her favorite flavor? Is it mint chocolate chip? Is it Rocky Road? Could it be cookies and cream? Only one way to find out. Send her ice cream, work with her. We will check in with her again soon. If you guys are loving guests like Bryn, if you are appreciating these episodes every week of Sex Party, there's a couple different ways you can show that love and appreciation. If you wish, you do not have to. If you do, it helps the show grow immensely. If you're listening on platforms like Apple and Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, you can subscribe to the show. You can leave a rating. You can leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. How are we doing? Still hanging in there? Okay, good. 
uh, you can leave a comment on this video, on any of the videos. You can subscribe to the channel and, um, you know, you can like the videos. It helps out. It helps out a ton. As always, you can DM me on Instagram. And you know what I'm going to say? I will see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. The party continues next week. Click subscribe and let's make this a regular thing. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SexPartyFM. Follow Dustin at Dustin Ribka.